Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, July 5th. Coming up, most residents of Kansas City's predominantly black east side rent their homes, but one broker is trying to change that. With the pride in home ownership and being invested in the community or in the block or the neighborhood, then that kind of helps with stabilizing neighborhoods, which stabilizes cities and brings businesses to those areas. And it's just like a trickle down effect. We'll tell you about one woman's mission to increase black home ownership in the city's urban core. But first, one of the oldest black housing cooperatives in the country is in trouble. Parade Park in Kansas City faces the possibility of foreclosure if a federal agency isn't satisfied that enough progress is being made to fix up deteriorating conditions. And residents say they're not clear about what's going on. The Midwest Newsroom's Steve Vakrat has more. Parade Park was built in the 1960s and sits near the 18th and Vine District. It's a housing co-op, which means that the 240 or so black families that live there share in the ownership of Parade Park, which is governed by an elected board of directors. On this Monday, some 50 residents gathered in the parking lot to hold an election about what to do with their buildings. They hope the result sends a message to Parade Park's board of directors. The ballots will be counted at approximately 6.15. Okay, so if some of you that are here right now, if you want to stay, you're more than welcome. We're all about transparency with the membership. The problem at Parade Park is it's been falling apart in recent years. If the gutters aren't missing, many are sagging, portions of the roofs have fallen in, and residents talk of using buckets to collect water seeping inside their apartments. I speak for this community. I've been here 40 some years. My children have all moved away from this place. It's a dump. You saw the burned out buildings. They've been here for months. That's resident Carrie Miller, who called for Monday's election to choose between two paths that Parade Park can take. Do they want a vast and costly redevelopment of Parade Park or a rehabilitation that could result in a smaller Parade Park? Connie Mahone, who has lived in Parade Park for 48 years, knows her preference. This needs to be redeveloped. You can't, I mean, we've lived here. There are so many things that are wrong. You know, it needs to be built up again. Years ago, Parade Park got a loan, about $10 million, which the Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, guaranteed. The loan is in default, and it's not because Parade Park can't repay it, but rather HUD inspectors saw the poor condition of the property. The project failed um, miserably for the, uh, the, uh, the, the inspection. That's Congressman Emanuel Cleaver, who helped persuade HUD to give Parade Park's board more time to come up with a plan. But the hitch now is that the extension ends on July 7th, and by then, HUD will need to know how Parade Park intends to fix up and keep its buildings in proper condition. Parade Park's board would not discuss its plans for this story. When residents gathered for the Monday election, their choices were either a large redevelopment undertaken by Community Builders of Kansas City, a local nonprofit developer, or a likely more moderate rehabilitation with consultants from the National Association of Housing Cooperatives, or NAHC. Hugh Jeffers of NAHC said a plan he's working on with the board could include selling parts of Parade Park to other developers. In April, the board voted in support of a redevelopment and to present that option to the membership, but that hasn't happened. 
When Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas wrote in June to the Parade Park Board to get an update, Board President Harrietta Harris replied that the board was working with the NAHC to find a developer. Lucas worries that time is running short. It's time to fix Parade Park. We're trying to give a pathway to fix, but we need the board, the board of directors, to be partners in that, and thus far they have not been willing to vote to do so. Estimates for a large overhaul of Parade Park are between $80 million to $100 million. There's concern that could result in residents getting priced out. The fee residents pay to live at Parade Park hasn't increased much in years, which is part of the reason why there's not much money for repairs. A redevelopment would almost certainly make Parade Park more expensive. Archie J. Williams, a board member until March, said it's just too late to rehab the property. And we know prices will have to go up. That's reality. But it doesn't have to be to where it's pricing people out of the area. It's staying African-American is very important as well. Resident Carrie Miller, who helped organize the resident election, says that she's willing to pay more each month to live in better conditions. I'm a retiree, and I'm on a fixed income, too. Absolutely, I am willing. If I have to go to Walmart and be a greeter, I deserve better. My neighbor deserves better. At the election, 68 voted in favor of the community builder's plan for redevelopment, while 12 voted for the NAHC. So far, the board is disputing whether it was a proper election. While the U.S. homeownership rate saw its biggest annual increase on record during the pandemic, the disparity between black and white homeowners also grew. Some experts suggest black homeownership is lower now than it was a decade ago. KCUR's Beck Shackelford-Wanganga spoke to one Kansas City broker whose team of real estate agents are on a mission to create 1,000 new black homeowners in Kansas City's urban core. For anyone who knows Tanisa Brown, the cycle of setting goals, crushing them, and repeating is a part of her life philosophy. I think that everybody should wake up with the goal of something, whether it's today I'm going to have a good day, today I'm going to be positive, or today I want to get XYZ done. That's the kind of energy she's bringing to her current project, increasing black homeownership in Kansas City. Brown has worked in real estate for almost 20 years, but when she opened her first Keys Realty location in 2017, it was like pushing the factory reset button on her career. Before Keys, she owned a real estate business in the small town of Buckner, Missouri. But things changed when she was diagnosed with cancer in 2017. Brown realized she needed to find a greater purpose in real estate. You know, if I was to die today, what would someone say in my eulogy? And I was thinking that she, she likes to have fun. It wasn't a lot that I felt like that, that they could say. Brown moved frequently as a child. And around the same time of her cancer diagnosis, she saw out-of-town developers trying to swallow up one of the communities that raised her, Kansas City's east side, where many residents are black or brown renters. She knew she had to do something, so she rebranded and opened Keys with a strong focus on increasing black homeownership rates and the urban core by turning longtime renters into first-time buyers. So if I can help as many people who are living in these, these neighborhoods be able to buy and, and stay in these neighborhoods, then that's one problem solved. This focus on empowering black homebuyers in the urban core has become increasingly important. In 2020, when people were sheltering in place and COVID-19 wreaked havoc on the economy, the housing market was booming, but not for everyone. 
A recent study by the National Association of Realtors found that while the U.S. homeownership rate saw its biggest annual increase on record, the disparity between black and white homeowners grew. In fact, there are fewer black homeowners now than a decade ago, and the almost 30 percent gap between black and white homeownership is bigger today than it was in the 60s. Jung Choi is a senior research associate for the Urban Institute. She says a lot of barriers to black homeowners stem from racism. Also, Choi points out that wealth is generational. Black households only hold one-eighth of the wealth compared to the white households. So it's really difficult for them to save up to down payment. Choi says the wealth gap plus challenges like working with a bank and securing financing are some of the biggest reasons many black families get stuck in a vicious cycle of renting and are unable to purchase a home. That's something that resonates with Tay Yeager, who purchased her first home through Brown after years of renting and then decided to try real estate out for herself. We just kind of clicked when we were looking for my house. So once I got into my own home, I went to real estate class and then I got my license and I started working for Tanisa. Yeager is a mother of three, so owning a home and being able to pass it down to her kids is important to her. She says growing up, she didn't see a lot of homeowners in her neighborhood, and skills like financial literacy or homeownership weren't taught. Yeager was drawn to Brown because seeing Brown succeed and uplift her community as a black woman was empowering. To be able to have that example who leads us, she's been through it, she's been through the same community, and helping to bridge that gap to where, you know, no, you can own that home. You don't have to rent for the rest of your life. Brown thinks creating more homeowners like Yeager can change the face of the city. With the pride in homeownership and being invested in the community or in the block or the neighborhood, then that kind of helps with stabilizing neighborhoods, which stabilizes cities and brings businesses to those areas. And it's just like a trickle-down effect. It's been more than four years since she set her goal of a thousand new black homeowners in Kansas City. Brown says they're nearly halfway there, and when they hit that threshold, she'll celebrate then set sights on another, bigger, better goal. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Steve's story about Parade Park and Beck's story about Black home ownership, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.